Welcome to City Reach Cumberland's weekly podcast. We hope this message blesses you. For more information about us, you can check us out on the web at cityreachcumberland.com. All right, so last week, no, was it last week? Yes, last week, Bill Kiefer started a new series. Does anybody remember what he titled it? All About Phil. All About Phil. I thought, what a conceited name for a series. All About Me. It's all about, well, I... But if you were here, you know that it was all about Philippians, right? So it was about the book of Philippians. Uh, I, I, I wish there was a, a Fredians, so maybe I could have all about Fred, but just no, just no books that line up with my name. Um, so I thought, you know, let's, uh, let's do a few teachings from the book of Philippians. I like that. And if you were here last week, you know that Phil talked about having joy in all circumstances, Having joy in all circumstances. Well, the all I want to talk to you about today is having peace in all circumstances. And two different things, both fruits of the Spirit, but today we're going to look specifically at peace, and we're going to look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 9 will be our text today. And so if you would, I would just like to read those uh, before we teach through them. Philippians chapter 4, now I want to point out here, we're going to talk about peace, and in this passage, in verses 4 and 6, you're going to notice that it mentions the peace of God, and then in verse 8, it mentions the God of peace. So hopefully today, um, we'll be able to work through these four verses, I've got three points, I'll give them to you now, it is praying, These are ways to experience peace in all circumstances. Praying, pondering, uh, everybody loves this one, practicing. Praying, pondering, practicing. All right. Verse 6 says this, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Meditate is where I get the word ponder. Obviously, you saw that um, prayer and supplication, that's the the praying. Meditating is pondering. And then we go on to verse verse 9. It says, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And that word means to practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Father, we just ask you now in these few moments, Holy Spirit, we ask you to speak. All peace resides in you. You reside in us. So, Father, I pray today that you give us practical teaching, ways that we can release the peace of God that is already available through Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. So, a couple things about peace. When we think of peace, everybody's hyper aware of peace right now because of what country in Europe? Ukraine. If you've been watching the news, we know that Russia has made an advance on Ukraine and churches around the country praying for peace in Ukraine. We're praying for people there and peace. But here's the difference between peace that the world offers and the peace that God offers. Peace in the world can only be experienced in the absence of turmoil, in the absence of of, of tribulation and turmoil and, 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 and issues. So, only when that thing is removed, or in the absence of it, can you experience peace in the world. See, the peace that God gives is different. The peace that God gives is not the absence of something, but it's the presence of someone. And that the fact that the peace of God is in you, and Jesus is peace himself, that peace is really a person, and peace... The peace of God 
is his presence in the midst of any situation, good or bad. So in the world, peace is based a lot of times on a treaty. You ever heard the word peace treaty? So a treaty is kind of like a contract, right? I, will, I, won't, uh, I won't bomb you if you won't bomb me, right? I won't hurl insults at you if you don't hurl insults at me. Sometimes we have peace treaties in our marriage. Sometimes we have peace treaties with our friends. Okay, let, let, let's call a truce. But a peace treaty is only as good as the person on either end keeping their side of the bargain. As soon as somebody drops a bomb, what does that give you the right to do? Oh, hey, you guys got it. But that's not good. You don't want to act like, <laughs> you don't want to act like that. See, the, the peace of God is something different. The peace of God is based on a covenant. He says in Isaiah 54, he said, Though the hills be removed, though the mountains be removed, my kindness towards you will never end, and my covenant of peace will not end. That it is a forever thing. And so Jesus says this. He says this in John chapter 14, verse 27. He said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So here's Jesus the night before he goes to the cross talking about peace. He's actually in reference to the Holy Spirit saying in the verse prior to that that the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, will come. And he says, I'm leaving my peace, I'm giving you my peace, but the peace that I give you is not the same as the world's peace. It's different. It's a different kind of peace. He goes on in chapter 16, verse 33, and he says, These things have I spoken to you that in... What's it say? These things have I spoken to you that in me you may have in the world you will have tribulation in him you have peace in the world you have tribulation but he says be of good cheer because I have what overcome the world so he says look in the world you're going to have bad situations you're going to have tribulations, turmoil. You're going to have bad stuff happen to you in the world. And if you only know the peace that the world gives, you're going to have no peace because there's going to be tribulations. You're not going to be absent of that. The only way that you can experience true peace in a world that's going to be filled with tribulation is to be in me. Jesus goes on in John 17, chapter 17. He's praying to the Father. He says, that I may be in them and they in me the same way that I'm in you and you're in me, that we may be one. And so here Jesus is defining for us, I've got a different piece to offer you. So a lot of times, you know, if we're in the middle of a bad situation, if we can't, uh, uh, if there's no absence of peace, what do we try to do? We try to avoid the situation. Right? Or we go the other way. Or worse yet, we try to escape the situation. What do we do to escape things sometimes? We turn to things that we think will bring us peace. But here's the thing about peace that comes from anything other than Jesus. It's temporary. It's temporary. His peace is eternal. His peace is infinite. His peace is unending. And so today I really want to talk to you about how, to, how do we release. I said earlier, peace. do you know that you have the very peace of God? Do you know that? Have you ever prayed for God to give you peace? Okay. Well, after you leave today, I don't want you to pray that anymore. You stay where you're at. What do I have? Whose phone? 
This is Kristen's phone. Where's it at? Hey, Kristen, we hand me your phone. Huh? I have it. When we ask God to give us something that he's already giving us, has given us, it's like me asking Kristen to give her, me her phone that I already have in my possession. What I have to learn to do is pull her phone that's in my possession out of my pocket and put it to use. See, so often we go around, oh God, give me peace. Give me this. Give me that. God, if God could be confused, he'd be like, okay, but I've already given it to you. I don't know what to do. He knows what to do. How many know that peace is a fruit of the Spirit? Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Next slide. But the fruit, now fruit is singular. It's not fruits of the Spirit, it's fruit. There's one fruit. And he goes on to list nine, we'll call them characteristics of fruit. So, any, do I have any old Pink Floyd, like, druggy Pink Floyd people? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I was never, like, into dropping acid, but my roommate in college, you know, I, I'll tell you, I tried one time, but we, and, and we couldn't find it. It was the only, and the grace of God kept me from it, but one day I said, I'm going to do it. We couldn't find any, so I've never done it. Uh, but he did. He smoked a lot of pot. I never did. I used to even hold the, the poncho over him in the rain so he could smoke pot, but I never did. But I don't know why I'm telling you all this. But any, Oh, yeah, I know what I was saying. We listened to a bunch of Pink Floyd back in the day. Do you remember the dark side of the moon? All right, it's got light coming in. I know Whitney will know that. She has this T-shirt. Light coming into a what? A prism. And when light goes through a prism, what comes out on the other side? Right, the colors, right? Light is, is the presence of all color. So when light goes through a prism, we see Roy G. Bibb, right? Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. Well, think of fruit of the Spirit the same way. Is it's one fruit like light, but through a speck or through a prism, I can see the nine different characteristics of it. All right? So think of it that way. So it's not like... Fruits, it's one fruit, like light, but when, when separated, I can see some individual characteristics of it. So it says the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If it's the fruit of the Spirit, who produces it? The Spirit, right? It's His what? It's His fruit. He produces that fruit. Now, things that I do, I might be able to move those into my life, and, and, and we're going to talk about how we do that today, but if fruit of the Spirit is the fruit that the Spirit produces, think about this. Where is the Holy Spirit right now? If you're a believer, if you're a believer in Jesus, where is the Holy Spirit right now? He's in me. Jesus said, peace is in him, right? John 14. If the Holy Spirit, if the fruit of the Holy Spirit in this place, well, we're going to say peace, it's what he's producing, it's what he makes continuously, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, nonstop producing peace. You're like, well, I don't see it. Well, that's because you don't know how to release it yet. It says in 1 Corinthians 6.17, it says, He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit with him. So the day you get saved, you get a new spirit in you. The Holy Spirit comes and lives in you. He dwells in you. And your spirit actually is so integrated with his spirit that the Bible says the two spirits become one. The Holy Spirit is the one that produces peace. My spirit and his spirit are one. He lives inside of me. Guess what's in me? Peace. So when somebody comes up and says, I need you to pray for me so that God will give me more love in this situation. 
God doesn't need to give you more love. It says the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit, Romans 5.5. 5. It's already in there. All the love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control that you will ever need to live your entire life is inside of you already. Now, do we all experience that? No. How many want to experience that? I do. I'm learning all the time. See, it's possible to live a worry-free life. It's possible to live an anxiety-free life. Interestingly enough, the, the one verse in the New Testament that talks of that, that's the only verse that mentions spirit, soul, and body, all three, you are, remember we talked about this before, you are a spirit, you possess a soul, that's your personality, your mind, will, and emotion. Your spirit, your possessive soul, and it's in your physical body. The only verse in the Bible that mentions that, spirit, soul, and body, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, starts out like this. It says, may the God of peace sanctify you It means in its entirety. May he preserve your entire spirit, soul, and body blameless to the day of the Lord. So what he's saying, he says, the God of peace may sanctify you, set you apart entirely, completely, your entire spirit, soul, and body. So what he's saying, he says that the peace that's in you, my desire is that is evident in every area of your life. Not just in your born-again spirit. You're not meant to be a, a Christian living in sin, stuck in anxiety, living in worry, and all those type of things carrying around the answer inside of you. See, he's placed it in you, but now we have to do a few things if we're going to mature as believers to see what's in us to make its way out of us. All right, let's get, move on. So we're going to go. Here we go. Praying. I'm going to have to go fast. Now, I, I did tell somebody, I told Evie Mongol, so I got three points, I might only preach one, and she told me to preach all three. So if we're here past 12, it's Evie's fault. All right, everybody, we're blame, everybody says, we're blaming Evie. All right, so let's look at this. And it's important because a lot of times when we pull out, now last week Phil started with um, Philippians chapter 4, and it was in verse 4, that says, rejoice, um, always, yeah, all, yeah. it says rejoice always, and again I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men, for the Lord is at hand. And then he goes into this verse on praying. A lot of times we skip to verse 8, and it's on think on these things. We talk about meditation. But I want to show you today why if we miss verses 6 and 7, a lot of times we try to meditate and it just falls apart. And I want to show you why a lot of times it doesn't work is because we have to put verse 6 and 7 in place first before we get to verses 7 and 8. Okay, here we go. It says, be anxious for nothing. Look, I told you you can live a worry-free life. You can live an anxiety-free life. God would be unjust to ever tell us to do something that's impossible. Right? Now, if he tells us to do something, he gives us the grace. He gives us his Holy Spirit. He gives us the ability to be able to do whatever his word commands. So he says here, be anxious. Be, be uh, The King James used to say, uh, don't be, it says, be, don't, don't be careful. Don't be careful for anything. Don't, the word means to be troubled by care. Right? It, it, it has to do with, let's see, how can I explain it? The word, I don't want to get in too much Greek because I don't have time. The word troubled or anxious actually means to be divided. It comes from the Greek word marizo, marizo, and it means to divide or cut. So that any time you become worried, if you go back far enough, it's because your focus has gotten divided. Now, if you think about a story in the Bible about worry, same word, anxious, worry, some translations say don't worry about anything. Do you remember Martha and Mary? Right? It says that Jesus came to their house. It said that Martha went about and she was troubled with many things. And she was making all these preparations for Jesus and what did Mary do? 
sat at his feet. And so here Martha gets a tood. Anybody ever get a tood? All right, Martha gets a tood. And she goes to Jesus with her tood. And she says, tell my sister to come help me. I'm doing ministry. Don't you see? I'm serving the Lord. And he says, look, you're worried and troubled about many things, but your sister has picked the one thing that is needful, and that will never be taken away from her. So we see that the difference is not that the ministry was bad, but when whatever you do, you lose focus of Jesus, worry sets in. And so here's what happens. When you get worried, if you will go backwards on any anxiety, any worry in your life, you've somewhere taken your eye off of Jesus. So here's what he says. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. Anybody ever see the symbol at the bottom of the PowerPoint? What is it? Caution. Where do you see it at? Hopefully it wasn't a car you bought for me. All right. Tip, this is on the dashboard of your car. Okay. All right. Don't call me and tell me you bought a lemon. But no, when that comes up on your dashboard, what's it telling you? There's a problem somewhere, right? Is, is that the problem? It indicates there's a problem somewhere in the car. If you, now, I've had people, I've traded cars in, and if it was you, don't, don't raise your hand. I've traded a car, does this car have any problems? Oh, no, this thing's perfect. Any lights on the dash? Nope, 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 nope. We traded in, I find a nice piece of black electrical tape <laughs> over top the check engine light. I want you to think of anxiety and worry as a caution light, as a warning light. What do you do when the warning light comes on your car? You take it to somebody that knows how to fix it, right? Not now. <laughs> Don't try to fix it yourself. When you have anxiety in your life, I don't want you to beat yourself up about it. I don't want you to, to be too introspective and get down. I just want you to do this. I want you to see it as an invitation to pray. Anxiety, pray. Anxiety, pray. It says, let your request be made known to everybody on Facebook. Twitter, I don't tweet. Let your request. You know, sometimes, what I liked about yesterday, I told you we're praying for the sick. He gives us five minutes to pray. Oh, yeah, five seconds. Yeah, Five seconds, because you can't mess up in five seconds. But have you ever been intimidated by somebody else's prayer? Like you hear somebody else pray, and you wonder if you're even saved. <laughs> I, I, I've been around people like that, and I'm like, well, I better check my salvation. I, like, maybe if I was saved, I'd know how to pray like they do. Let your request be made known to God. You know, I've got three kids. All of them make requests of me on a regular basis, but none of them make it the same way. I got Frederick. If, now, Frederick's 27. If Frederick wants something, I know I got to go through 30 minutes of fluff. <laughs> building up value, you know, he's building value in the situation. And then he makes the ask after 30 minutes. Now, I've got Caroline that if she needs something, she never asks, but she tells me the situation and then moves on. Just kind of like she, just see if dad will bite, you know. But, and if not, she'll try another lure, you know. And then I've got Lauren, my youngest, and I, I don't get a hello, I don't get an I love you, I just get a random text that says, will you reimburse me $100 for college books? <laughs> just straight to the point.
If one of my kids tried to ask me something the way the other one asked me, I'd think something was wrong. Ask God the way you ask. Be yourself. Don't try to be some puffed up, self-righteous Pharisee that gets a bunch of words that doesn't amount to anything. Here's the key. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Supplication is just another word for prayer, but it means to make requests. If he didn't put those two words in there, prepositional phrase, with, I'm going to say, okay, it's a test. In everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Now, if we look at 1 Thessalonians 5 again, prayer with thanksgiving is actually God's will. Did you know that? So when I was in youth group as a kid, you always had to, they'd, they'd make you memorize verses for like, I don't know, I never got anything, but we got points. Like, I never could cash the points in. But so if you're, if, if, this is, these are the verses you'd always hone into if you had to pull a quick one out on Wednesday night. 1 Thessalonians 5.16, rejoice always. That's a verse. That's it. That's an easy one. The next one, pray without ceasing, verse 17. That's another verse. But here's a couple. These are very similar to to Philippians 4, by the way. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Pray always in everything, do what? Give thanks, for this is the will of God. Why is it God's will? Do you ever think about that? Does God need my thanks? God's self-sufficient. So why would it be God's will that I thank him in every situation? He knows us. Let's go back to the previous slide. In everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. If I didn't have with thanksgiving in there, what are we supposed to do? Take our requests to the Lord, right? Okay. If all I do is take my request to the Lord and I make my request known, Father, I need you to meet this need. I don't have enough money to pay the bill. Father, I I just got a report from the doctor and I've got this illness and I need you to heal me. Father, my kid's out running wild. I need you to bring them back. I need you to move in their life. Father, my wife and I are arguing. I need you to come into the middle of this. Who is the focus of that prayer on? I, me, me, me. I need, I need, I need. I want, I want, I want. What happens when I pray with thanksgiving? I can only thank somebody for something they've already done. If you haven't done it, I can't thank you. But Jesus has already done everything. Father, I have a need. I don't have enough money to pay this bill, but I thank you that your word says that my God will supply all of my needs according to your riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Father, I got a sickness in my body. But I thank you that your word says that by Jesus' stripes, I was healed. Where's the focus of my prayer going now? What is worry? Distraction. A distraction or a division. Remember Mary and Martha? What does Thanksgiving now do? It brings my focus back onto Jesus. See, so often the focus of our prayer is on us and our situation that we forget that it's not about us and our situation, it's about him and his provision. And so here's what it does. Next slide. One more. Prayer with thanksgiving shifts the focus uh, off of us and our situation onto him and his provision. See, a lot of times our focus is to pray the situation away, right? 
You know, sometimes when you pray, the situation doesn't go away. See, the promise in the next verse is not that when you make your request known with thanksgiving that the situation will go away. The promise in the next verse, it says that the peace of God will guard your heart and mind. See, God will release peace that is in you into your situation. The situation may not go, but the peace always comes. And that's the great thing about the peace of God is you can have it in the midst of anything, good or bad. Be a good situation or a bad situation. So next slide. Here it is. It says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Now I put in brackets, that's not in the, in, in the verse, but surpasses means to be superior in rank, authority, and power. The peace of God is superior in rank, if you're in the military, you understand that, authority and power over all my understanding, my intellect, my reasoning, my perception. Every faculty of my mind pales in comparison to the peace of God. It says the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will do what? Guard my heart and my mind. Do you see what's happening here? Where does peace start at? In my born-again spirit. When I begin to pray and let my thank request be made known with thanksgiving, the peace of God now comes into my soul. What's it protecting? My mind, where I think. My heart, where I feel. Thoughts, emotions. This word guard, so good, I think it's on the next slide. I like this. because I, I just want you to think about this word guard for a minute. It means to protect by a military guard, either to prevent hostile in, uh, invasion or to keep the inhabitants of a besieged city from flight. Not by surrounding the city with soldiers, but by posting sentries to guard the gates. If the peace of God becomes a guard of my heart and my mind, and those guards, when used in that, that word, meant to sit in front of the gate, what does that say my mind and my heart are? They're gates through which negative thoughts and worry can come. And so here's what happens. When I begin to turn my affection to the Lord, when I begin to turn my attention to the Lord, peace comes. Peace comes, and it's released, and it now guards my heart and my mind. Before I get to verse 8, and it says meditate on these things, now I've got a barrier. Think about this. Let's just say Phil is the peace of God. Absolutely. You're a piece of... No, you're, 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 you're a piece... That's a different... Peace of God, peace of God. All right, so Phil is the peace of God, and he is in my born-again spirit, right? I have an issue. Don't know where, uh, don't know where, give me an issue. Give me one. Car broke down, okay, my car broke down. Father, I've got an issue, my, my car broke down. I didn't pay attention to the warning light. But my car broke down, I, 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 don't, I don't know where to take it, I don't know who to talk to, uh, but here's the thing, you know all things. I thank you that you, you are omniscient. You know everything, you know how this car is made, you know who I need to talk to, and I thank you that you've already provided somebody to help me get this issue taken. As I'm thanking God, what is the promise? The promise is not that the car is fixed, but the promise, you got to come out, peace, come on. The promise is that now the peace of God stands guard now over my heart and mind. And the peace of God surpasses what? All my understanding. Let me tell you this. Your worry can only go to the extent of your mind. And when you decide to 
to wallow in worry, you're limiting what God wants to do in your life. Because his best for you is peace. And his peace is superior in rank, authority, and power over anything you can even think of. Let's say this. His peace is better than you think. That was a play on words. It really is. It really is. And so here's Phil, standing guard. So what happens? All of a sudden now, I've got a barrier in front of me to give me a little protection. And now I can, start to, I can start meditating on some things, right? I can go to verse 8 and start to, hey, I need to start thinking on these things. I need to start meditating on these things. If this is not there and I try to meditate, guess what else is coming in? All the other stuff. And here I am trying to meditate on what's good, and I'm, I'm thinking about what's bad. And I'm trying to meditate on this, and I'm, I'm worrying about this. But when I make my request known unto God, prayer and supplication with what? Thanksgiving, it shifts the focus from me to him. He doesn't make it his will because he needs it, but he knows we need it. And he's given us the answer how to do it. Thanks, Bill. One last thing here. A lot of times we, when we pray and make a request, we're trying to get God to remove the situation. I told you before, sometimes the situation doesn't always get removed. If the situation doesn't change, it could be an indication, not 100%, but it could be an indication that God's trying to change you, not the situation. Because sometimes there's some things that you need to go through to be developed. What's it say in Romans 5? It says, tribulation brings perseverance. Perseverance brings character. There's development. Character produces hope, and hope makes not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. See, sometimes we're so, so concerned on getting out of the situation that we don't get anything out of the situation. Like, my, my goal is to get out of this so I can have peace. That's world peace. My goal is not to get out of it. If I get out of it, great. What is the goal and what is the promise? Peace. I'm praying with thanksgiving. The peace of God comes and guards my heart and my mind. I can deal with it. Because peace is not the absence of the situation. Peace is the presence of God. Does that make sense? All right, pondering. I'll skip my, I have a story to tell of Tanzania, but I think I've, I've, I've passed the story time, so. Pondering. Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatever things are pure, the old King James coming out of me, whatsoever. Sorry about that. Whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Right? Meditate. Ponder. It means to, to, to spend time thinking about something. It's just not like a fleeting thought. You know, you can look up online. I, I can't figure it out. Some people say you have six to 12,000 thoughts a day. Some people say 60 to 70,000. I don't know. Let's just say it was 12,000, uh, whatever it is. It's like 500 a minute on the low side. I'm saying 500 an hour. I mean, that's a lot of thoughts. Every day, you're having thoughts, 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 thoughts. And what happens, if I don't have the peace of God guarding my mind to start with, my thoughts are going to be consumed with worry and not with the things that I should be thinking about. So that, that's the reason we need to have the, the peace of God standing guard for us. Next slide says this. True. So just quickly, I'll just give these. True means truthful, not a lie, right? How often do we spend time meditating and thinking about lies, either that the enemies told us, that our parents, maybe somebody's told us that that's just not true. 
doesn't line up with God's word. Whatever's noble, which means honorable or genuine. Whatever is just, upright, of right conduct. That's talking about actually living right, right conduct there. Pure, free from defilement or impurity. Lovely, agreeable, pleasing. It actually is not the word love, agape, but it's based on the word phileo, which is a friendly kind of love. It's a, it's a friendship type thing. Of good report, positive and constructive versus negative and destructive. Don't people like, we, we kind of like feed on bad reports, don't we? I got to check myself all the time. Because the natural me wants to, wants to talk about the bad stuff. I want to meditate on the bad stuff. Virtue, moral goodness or excellence, praiseworthy, commendable, worthy of praise. Here's what I tell you, want to tell you about this. This says whatever, right? Whatever is true. Whatever is noble. A lot of times we make this exclusively spiritual things. And it includes spiritual things, 100%. But your life was never meant to be compartmentalized into secular and spiritual. You realize that? A lot of you put your Sunday best on. You get your Sunday attitude and then your Monday worst. And then you start putting it back on Saturday night or early Sunday morning. Next slide. Don't compartmentalize your life into spiritual and secular. It says whatever is good. So think about this. It doesn't mean just spiritual things. It can mean everyday things. We need to think about every good thing in our life. Here's why. Who's our attention supposed to turn back to? God. Jesus. Where does every good and perfect thing come to, according to James? It says that every good gift and every perfect gift, next slide, comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no shadow or variation of turning. If it's good, it came from whom? God. And if I think about it, eventually if I meditate on, maybe it's just my relationship with my wife. That's not like righteousness and justification and and all those good things like forgiveness. That's not really a spiritual thing, but it is a spiritual thing. Maybe I think about my, that that I have a good job. Meditate on it. I've got a good job. Why do I have a good job? Because God gave me the health to do it. God gave me the brains to do it. God gave me a connection to know somebody that got me in a position to have that job. It all goes back to him. And so, as I begin to meditate, not just on spiritual, like, spiritual things, but everything good in your life comes from God. And here's a promise in Isaiah uh, chapter 26, verse 3. It says, I will keep him in perfect peace. Say this, shalom, shalom. Perfect peace is two words, shalom, shalom. I will keep him in perfect peace who trust in me, whose mind is Fixed. Who's, well, this version, New Living, says whose thoughts are fixed on me or whose mind is stayed on me. When you begin to fix, so look, thanksgiving, prayer with thanksgiving, peace of God comes and guards your heart and mind. Now I begin to meditate on all this good stuff that God's done for me. Everything good. Everything positive. You know, I'll pick on Phil. I'm going to pick on Phil. When we're at a basketball game last week with Phil, we, we, went, we went to see a little Allegheny JV. We're sitting there with Phil and Autumn. This was, this was Phil. He's very pastoral. That was the best call I've ever seen. That referee is just so knowledgeable. He just understands the game. Why are you guys laughing? Because you've seen Phil at a basketball game, right? He is not meditating on anything good. Sorry, buddy. Don't compartmentalize your life. I don't care if you're at church. Meditate on these things. I don't care if you're at work. Meditate on these things. I don't care if you're your kid's basketball game, at the dentist, 
going for a walk, meditate on these things. Your life was not meant to be separate. Your entire life is for God. And the two really overlap. All right, here's, here's what it comes down to. The one nobody likes to do, practice. So you remember, Paul's writing this to the Philippian church. He spent time in Philippi. He trained them. He said, look, he, he, says, he goes through all these things. He says, meditate on these things. Then he goes on to say, these things that you learned from me, that you received from me, that you heard from me, and that you saw in me. Am I saying it right? Yeah. The word learned actually means to learn by practice. The word do, when we had up there in the New King James, it says these things do. It literally means to do by practice. So here's what he's saying. He's like, look, when I was with you, you saw these things in my life. You heard me talk about these things. You eventually received them for yourself, and you began to walk in them. You actually began to do them. You learned how to do it by practice. Now, here I am. I'm chained up to a Roman guard in prison, and you need to start doing the thing that I taught you to do. So here's what he's saying. Okay, it's time to grow up, boys. It's time to step up to your next level. It's, start, it's time to start doing the thing that you know how to do, that you've been taught to do, and you saw in me. Here, here's the thing about being a light for Jesus. Paul lists four things here, but they're really in backwards order. He says, the thing that you practice, the thing that you learned from me, the thing that you received from me, the thing that you heard from me, and the thing that you saw in me. They're really in reverse. If somebody sees these things in your life, guess what you're going to have an opportunity to do? They're going to be like, hmm, how are you able to live such a peace-filled life when your life is literally falling apart? How do you do that? Guess what you get to do? You get to tell them about Jesus. My wife and I were meeting with our attorney this week in Morgantown. I don't know if she's saved or not. I never got a chance to ask her. <laughs> she said, uh, she said, just, you know, we talked a little about church. She goes, well, how do you do, how are you able to juggle and do all that you do? I'm getting ready to say that what I finally said was, you know, God's really just somehow graced me to be able to do it. And I was going to try to lead the conversation that way. But Kristen jumps in and says, it's because I never see him. That's how he's able to do it. <laughs> Needless to say, she, uh, we didn't get to talk about Jesus, but maybe next time. It's okay. I love my wife. We make a phenomenal team, I'll tell you that. But here's the thing. When you... Here's what needs to happen. The day you get saved, the Holy Spirit lives in you, and he's making peace for every situation. It's one of his fruits. One of his fruits. Peace is a fruit of the Spirit. Now, I might go through a, an issue. I might go through a circumstance. You might look at me. I'm gonna tell, let me brag on her for a minute. Her brother died on a Saturday. We were at his house. Kristen loved him. Kristen cared for him. We believed he was going to be completely healed. He died. She prayed for him. After he died to come back, he didn't on a Saturday. And the next day was our fifth anniversary at this church. And you wouldn't have known that she dealt with the day before what she dealt with because she had a peace in the midst of a circumstance that was beyond all understanding. People say, well, how could you do that? Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you how Jesus can help me get through something that you'll never see it on me because I have a peace 
that goes beyond my situation. I have a peace that goes beyond my pain and my hurt and my, my, my letdown and everything else. See, Paul's saying there needs to be a time in your life when the peace comes out of the closet. And you release peace that you already have by letting your request be made known to God with what? Thanksgiving. And when you let your request be made known with thanksgiving, peace now guards your heart and mind. It stands guard like a sentry. And now I begin to meditate, and now I begin to focus and really think about all the good that God's done in my life. And once I do that, now Paul says I need to do something. People need to see it in my life. It does no good in the closet. I don't have a chance to witness in the closet. But when people see you walk through something with grace and peace and love and character, he's going to say, the things that you saw in me and heard from me and received from me and learned from me do. See, the ultimate goal is not so much for you to get out of your situation, but it's for the peace of God to protect you so that you can eventually share with somebody else where the source of that peace came from. Everybody loves this verse. James chapter 1, verse 22. Next slide. Do not deceive yourselves by just listening to his word. Instead, put it into practice. That's what I want you to do today. Worship team, come on. I'm going to close with a, a song. If you want to come up, if you want to come here and pray, if you want to pray at your seat, this is between you and God. Guys, nobody walking around right now, please. Gentlemen, this isn't the time to walk. This is time for you to take anything that's weighing on your mind right now. And I want you to do what I've instructed you to do today, and that's to do what? Make your request made known to God with thanksgiving. I want you to start thanking God for what he's done. I want you to allow his peace to take, take its place in your life. Stand up. So I just want, just to, if you'd lift your hand for me today, eyes closed, say, I've allowed something to worry and take control of my life. And I, I, need, I need the peace of Jesus to take its place around my heart and my mind. Keep those hands up. The Bible promises us a worry-free life. I'm not discounting doctors. I believe in doctors. I believe in medicine. I believe in counselors. But I also believe in the power of Jesus. That he loves you and he's provided a way for you. Father God, you see these hands. And Lord, as we sing, as we open our hearts to you, as we, we worship you and thank you for what you've already done. Prince of Peace. Holy Spirit, invade this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Are you hurting, broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of sin? Jesus is calling Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open. Forgiveness was bought with the precious 
blood of Jesus Christ. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes, a new life is born. Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Blood of Jesus Christ Oh, what a Savior Isn't He wonderful Sing hallelujah Christ is risen. Bow down before Him, for He is Lord of all. Sing hallelujah, Christ is risen. What a Savior, oh, what a Savior. Isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah, Christ is risen. One last time, bow down before him, for he is Lord of all. Sing hallelujah, Christ is risen. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus. Father, we thank you today. Say that. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your healing. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your faithfulness. You're so good. You're so good. Verse 9 ends like this. It says, The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. And a lot of times you say, I can't do it. Guess what? God's with you. God is with you every step of the way. If you don't know Jesus, never made Jesus Lord of your life, no better day than today. Never want to twist anybody's arm into making that decision, but I always want to give you an opportunity to let you know that Jesus loves you, that Jesus died for your sin, he paid for them, he rose again, and he lives forevermore. And his life can become your life. If you're here today and you don't know that you've had all your sins forgiven, I want you to pray this prayer. If you want to do this, you just say, Father, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I deserve death. 
but thank you for Jesus. I thank you for his death, his payment for me, and his resurrection. And I receive him and make him Lord of my life in Jesus' name. If you did that for the first time, you've got peace on the inside. If you're already a believer, you've had peace all along. You maybe didn't know it, but it's in there. Jesus, the Spirit of Christ, is in you. And along with Him goes everything that He has. See, a Christian walk doesn't become this thing of getting from God. It begins to learn how to release what God's already provided. How do I appropriate what God's already given me? It's a little different focus. Father God, we just pray right now that your peace would rest on each person, on each situation, each relationship. Father, we thank you, and based on your word, we declare that your peace is standing military guard over our minds, over our hearts, to keep every lie of the enemy at bay, to keep every negative thought at bay, to keep every depression, every anxiety, every form of of wrong thinking out. We open our minds to everything good, everything pure, everything right, everything lovely, everything honest, every good thing that comes from you. We acknowledge you, Jesus.